welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. John 10, amen. And we're going to pick up in verse number 25. Um, Jesus speaking says, I told you and you believed me not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe me not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Remember, here's the three things. Remember, one, my sheep hear my voice. Number two, I know them. Number three, they follow me. Go through that with me again. Number one, my sheep hear my voice. Number two, I know them. Number three, they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Well, what a deal. And that's a deal. You just follow him and you get everlasting life and you shall never perish. What? Sign me up for that. Amen. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And unless anybody got confused, Jesus went ahead and said, there's only one hand, as I and my Father are one. Amen. Don't, they're not playing the hand stack game. There's only one. Amen. And I, I am glad to know that. I want to continue on tonight and talk about knowing the will of God and move a little f- uh, further into this and uh, do my best tonight to try to, try to kind of tie a little knot on this so we can uh, go a little different direction in the coming weeks on this. But let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your great anointing and presence that we feel in this place. Uh, For we know that without you, nothing is possible. And I pray that you would open our understanding and that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us direction. Lord, that you would touch our ears to hear and our minds to understand. Lord, let us be able to retain what thus saith the Lord is. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. Would you thank the Lord again before you seat? Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. We are talking about knowing the will of God. Everybody say knowing the will of God. And uh, we, we have hit it from several different aspects, and we have tried to cover this as best we can, um, although I don't think you can ever in totality cover the Word of God, because it is a, a constantly, I wouldn't say a moving target, but it's a constantly, um, a li- it's a living Word, meaning that the Word of God doesn't stay stagnant. Now, there are truths that are foundational stones that never shift and they never move but but the word of god itself is is life and so um, it's it's a it's a moving word it is a functioning word and so um, you can read the same scripture a thousand times and god will speak to you a thousand different ways how many's ever how many's ever heard somebody talk about a scripture you read a hundred times and they brought out something you never saw before and and you're like, man, what's wrong with me? How did I miss that? That was so simple. You remember when you came to truth? And they started showing you water baptism in the name of Jesus. And you're like, how in the world did I miss that? And it just the light came on. Because you couldn't have, you couldn't have done that. The, the Bible said let the Spirit of God led you to that, right? And opened your understanding, praise God. And so we're talking about the will of God. And, and we're talking about knowing the will of God and and this is, um, I think Brother Garza said last night, this is part four or five, part four. And we've talked about in, in these different uh, topics, we have talked about, number one, knowing that the will of God is not hard to find. The will of God's not a hard thing to find. Uh, the will of God is actually, if we're talking about in the context of our life, the will of God is actually 
the easiest thing to find in our life because the will of God has forever been recorded in this book. Amen. Now you say, well, that the, the Bible doesn't tell me which job to take. It may not tell you, um, you know, Chick-fil-A or Popeye's, but it's probably going to tell you Popeye's, just say it. Some, I heard somebody say, that's not of God, amen. Uh, it, it may not, but, um, but it, will, it will give you understanding and insight. It will give you peace. And so the will of God is not as hard to discern as I think we have traditionally thought it is. Uh, because number one, he gives us his spirit that we might know his will. God does, God does not hide his will from us like an Easter egg, hoping that you bounce all over the parking lot and the house and the yard, digging through grandpa's garden trying to find the golden egg. That's not what God does with his will. He wants you to know his will for your life. You remember in the very first uh, week or two of the first couple of lessons, we talked that to know the will of God, that we must live a life of separation from the world and holiness unto the Lord, because that's where it comes, by presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. Man, y'all are so smart. Y'all, everybody in here remembered that. That was awesome. So you present your body a, a living sacrifice, which is wholly acceptable unto God. That's your reasonable service. And he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might be able to prove that which is that good, uh, acceptable, and perfect will of God for your life. And so we, we got that understanding. Now, now, we may have to go back and dust the pages off of that understanding, right? Yep, you got a trophy somewhere in your house, and, and when you feel low about yourself, just go back and dust that trophy off and say, you know what, I was a runner-up in the corndog-eating contest. Look at me. <laughs> I am special. Amen. Amen. This is why I'm against participation trophies. Amen. You need to earn that trophy so you look at it and go, I wasn't just there. I did something about it. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. And so uh, uh, you, you may have to go back and dust that off and say, why am I struggling to find the will of God in my life? And then measure that against, am I walking in commitment to the Lord? Or am I walking after my own way? Because my will will always conflict with the will of God. They, they might merge to the same route every once in a while. But it's very rare because my nature, my carnal nature that is, wants to get me as far away from God's plan and God's will as it can. Because uh, my flesh, your flesh, does not want to be subject to the word of God or the will of God. And I know I'm telling you so much profound stuff right now. You're about to have to duct tape your head to keep it from exploding. I know this is just profound. Uh, but it's something we, you need to dust it off every once in a while and say, okay, am I struggling with the will of God? Then if I am, let me see if I'm struggling with my commitment and my dedication to the Lord. Amen. And, and we talked about that. We, we even talked about a little last week or the week before. We talked about uh, measuring ourselves of our spiritual fulfillment. Am I, am I being spiritually fulfilled? And then, then how do I measure that? Where, where is my plumb line? Where is uh, my metric to which I measure uh, whether or not I'm being fulfilled? Y'all remember that last week? We, we talked a lot about that, how that we don't measure our fulfillment based on our spiritual entertainment, right? Whether or not the, 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 the church program suits my need or my, am I growing, amen? Am I growing? Because if I'm growing, then I'm being fulfilled. And if I'm not growing, uh, to whom do I put that blame on if I'm not growing? Because most of the time I'm going to have to put it on myself. It's amazing the amount of people say, well, I'm not growing in this church, but they, they, they hadn't prayed in five years. They don't read the Bible unless the preacher gives a text. Amen. I'm not growing. Well, you're, you're not going to grow. You're, you're stunted until you have commitment in your life. Amen. And uh, you, you, to be a follower of Christ means to be a disciple of Christ, which is a take on the word discipline. Amen. And so you got to discipline yourself to be discipled of God. Amen. I, I know this isn't, you know, uh, very vogue in 2023 it's not the most in thing to say but if we are truly going to follow Christ we have got to learn to cut off the influence of those things in our life that will steer us away from God's plan 
and God's purpose for every one of our lives. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in that determined mode, what I did last week. I'm not going to stomp and scream to make a point. I'm going to let the Word of God make the point uh, maybe in the rest of this series because I want the Word of God to speak to us. Amen. I thank God for our, our Pentecostal demonstration, our apostolic movements and actions and declaration. But sometimes we need to just slow the speed down a little bit, make sure that Word gets in us and say, okay. I, I receive that through revelation and not hypology. I receive that as a, from the Lord and not because I was spurred to uh, with an amen. All right? And, and, and we, talk, we, we, we cover these things. Following God. We talked about following God. How important it is, uh, number one, to, to know his voice. I need to know his voice. We talked about, and the reason I'm saying this is because this portion of this is, is possibly of what I'm going to actually um, settle on in the Word of God and try to try to pull out from tonight. It's going to be probably the the the, the most brief you're going to get of this. Besides, I've got to bring you to this point to where we also understand that we we've got to know the voice of God. That is so important to know His voice. And if you remember, um, we said to know His voice, always go to the Word. Always go to the Word to know His voice. Uh, measure anything you think is of God. By the word of God. Don't, and John said, um, uh, beloved, believe not every spirit. And we are, we are in the believe every spirit world right now. If it sounds good, believe it. If it made you feel good, believe it. That, that's, not, that's not how necessarily the kingdom of God. Now, now, that's not to say that every word from God is going to make you feel bad. Because I've been on that side of the coin too. Lord, why do you, please don't speak to me anymore. Because they just stopped short of saying God hates your guts and he didn't like your grandma much either. I don't believe that's, that's the kind of God I serve. But I do believe that not every word from God is going to especially accommodate sin in my life. Amen. And, and, and even back up, it, it won't even accommodate every weight that easily besets me. The word of God's going to bring. You say, well, it feels like God's always correcting me. Well, straighten up and fly right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Daddy, I feel like you're always whooping me. It's because you're always messing up. Stop messing up. Amen. Because that's not the intent of God. The intent of God is not to punish you into submission. That's, that's not the way it is. It's not what God intends, is not to punish us into submission, but really to love us into agreement. Amen. That's good. That's good. To love us into agreement. Uh, but, but bring, bring uh, chastisement where that's necessary, because the Bible said, who the Lord loves, he chasteneth. In other words, if he, if he loves you, amen, he's going to cheer you on. If he loves you, he's going to support you. But also, if he loves you, he'll tan your hide too. Because that, that's love. Love takes discipline. Amen. Uh, discipline without love is just, is just torture. But God loves us. He always, there's always a purpose to the pain. So we got to know his voice and then try the spirit. Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirit to see if it be of God. I, I need to know that every, every spirit that I'm dealing with that's you know, the Bible said in the last days, there will be people that will at the judgment say, uh, not everyone that cries, Lord, Lord, shall enter in. And they're going to say, but, but we did miracles in your name. We cast out devils in your name. And that the Lord's going to look at them and say, what? Depart from me, you who work iniquity. I never knew. But they were able to cast out devils, and they were able to perform miracles. But the Lord said, I don't even know who you are. So that, that lets me know that we need to be vigilant about every spirit that tries to speak into our life. Amen. We got. I gave plenty of examples of, uh, about that, but be be careful of of what and who you allow to speak into your life spiritually. Amen. Now we're we're talking about you know sales. You know Zig Ziglar's good, okay, but Zig Ziglar is not going to get you saved. Y'all know who Zig Ziglar is? He's a big sales guru guy. Amen. 
You want to read How to Win Friends and Influence People? Great book. Amen. But it's not spiritual assignment. All right. So we, we got to be willing to discern what is what is good life sense or business sense. And then and then what is going to be for my salvation. Amen. And then not believe every spirit because it sounds good. Or because it goes to church. Or because it speaks with tongues and is baptized in Jesus name or. Or it looks right on the outside. You gotta, you gotta take that spirit and test it. And if that spirit don't want to be tested, it's not of God. Because God, God said through His word, try it. Because if it's impatient, it's not of God. Because God's a God of patience and order. And and you ever seen a, uh, you ever see a, a a really big powerful man like you know one of these weightlifter guys, you know. He, He's not insulted when somebody says, can you lift this? He'll reach down and prove it. Now, you give that to somebody like me. Say, can you bench 240 pounds? I'm going to say, can you eat 12 donuts? I'm going I'm to I'm push back on that. Can you squat 550? Can you, you know. Can you eat three pounds of crawfish in under five, ten minutes? Because they don't want to, I don't want to be tested in that arena because I know I don't measure up. But you give it to a strong man, and a strong man don't mind lifting to prove to you. Now, now they got, have you seen these guys getting muscle implants? Have y'all seen this? It is the dumbest thing you've ever, they spend thousands of dollars to get silicone bags placed in their arms. And they think they look real. They get them put in their chest. They get six-pack abs. They're all silicone. One guy, he, didn't have, he passed beer belly. He had a keg belly. And he had six-pack implants into his stomach, and he's flexing in front. When he's flexing, the, the biceps were just flopping like water bottles, just flopping around, or like, you know, zip. You know how you put ice in a Ziploc bag and then it melts and just flops. That's what it looks like. And he's doing this and he's got his music going in the background and he's flexing like this. And I'm thinking, you know, nobody believes that. Nobody looks at that and says that's real, right? And if you hand him a hundred pounds and say, can you curl this? He's going to get mad. And, and, or, or, but you give it to somebody who can, they're not going to be offended by that. Now, you, you hand a man that benches 500 pounds, you hand him 50 pounds and say, can you bench this? It's probably a little insulting. May grab it with one arm. What I'm trying to say is, if it's of God, it's not, it, the spirit's not going to be offended when you say, you need to prove yourself. Matter of fact, it'll go beyond and it will prove itself. As a matter of fact, look at Gideon. When Gideon said, I need to verify if this was really of God. Now, by he should have accepted it by faith. And Look, I, I smacked around his doubt just as much as anybody else. But biblically, he was accurate. He tried the spirit. Now, Lord, if this is of you, make the ground wet and the fleece dry in the morning. Boom, it happened. He says, okay, Lord, if this is still you, make the fleece wet and the ground dry. Boom, it happened. Then he said, okay, I can do this. All right, now, we don't need to do that every time we start finding the will of God, start laying out fleece. But my point is simply this. If it's of God, it doesn't mind proving it's of God. Amen. And you can always prove it. You don't have to lay a fleece rug out. All you got to do is go to the Word. All you got to do is go with the, go, go and, and trust that spiritual intuition he puts in your, in, in, your, in your gut. You ever had somebody say something to you and it was like, even though it was right, you went, hmm, I don't know about that. I prophesy a new car over you. Okay, great. I want to hear that. My flesh wants to hear that. But, and, and I'm not saying somebody can't prophesy a new car. Please understand. I'm saying you need to try the spirit. And we talked about that because we are the sheep of his pasture. Amen. We're the sheep of his pasture. And, and we need to know his voice. Number two, he said that he would know us. He would know us. That's important. There's a difference between me knowing him and him knowing me. Amen. There, there's a difference between 
Me knowing him and him knowing me. Because I can know him and not be of his flock. See, a shepherd knows his sheep. And that's an important thing. Lest a wily wolf come in among them. Or an infected sheep or or a, a sheep from a different herd. The shepherd knows his sheep. It's amazing when you read about the ancient shepherds, how they could keep hundreds of sheep and, and they knew them. They didn't have calculators. They didn't have iPhones. They didn't have, it's shocking, right? They didn't have, you know, computers out there scanning them or any of this. They knew them. They knew the count. They knew their traits. They, they, they knew which one had, had wool that was a little more curly than this one. They knew which one had little wild hairs on it. They knew which one had a chipped ear. They knew which one stood funny, which walked funny. And they, they knew up to a few hundred sheep. They knew who belonged. See, Jesus knows us in the same manner. We all have our little idiosyncrasies about us that God knows. There's something about you that is unlike me and something about me that is unlike you. And though we believe in the same God, obey the same Bible, believe the same gospel, there is still something distinctively different about us, amen, that he knows us. He knows, say, he knows me. And that's a wonderful thing. We know his voice. He knows us. Number three, we follow him. We follow him. Don't, don't tell me you are a follower of Christ if you don't follow Christ. Amen. You can't throw out the, well, it depends on what the definition of follow is. No, it's do we follow him or not? That, that's, that, that is one of the defining characteristics of being a Christian. A believer is that you follow after Christ. Amen. Well, I, I, I want to follow after Christ, but I don't want to be different. Well, then that you can't follow after Christ. Without being different at some point in my, in my speech and my thought process and everything about me at some point, the more I follow my shepherd, the further I get away from where I was. Remember, we talked about this last week. He may lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. He may lead me through the rocky, narrow places of the canyon. But because my shepherd knows me and I know him, I can follow him and have confidence that my shepherd is not going to put me in a compromising situation to where I cannot overcome it. The Bible said for every temptation, he has already what? made a way of escape so anything that I go through the shepherd has already made sure that I can get through it as long as I'm following the shepherd so I can't take it I can't bear anymore then are you with the shepherd because the shepherd will not put more on you than that which we are able to bear Am I following with the mountains too steep? And I'm, I'm a little too afraid. One of two things. One, are we following the shepherd? Or two, do we have confidence that the shepherd has our best interest in mind? Amen. Is this all right tonight? Good, because that's all I got. We've got to have confidence, the shepherd, that we can follow the shepherd. I want to follow the shepherd. Look at somebody and say, I want to follow the shepherd. It's so important for us to follow after the shepherd. Amen. Uh, now let's go to Colossians chapter 2. I know I read this a few weeks ago, but we're going to go to Colossians chapter number 2 and beginning at, at verse number 1. Amen. Colossians chapter 2 and beginning at verse number 1 says, For I would that ye knew uh, what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted. Everybody say comforted. That their hearts might, might be comforted. That, that means uh, uh, he, he wanted their hearts to be uh, encouraged, amen, and strengthened. And being, knitted to, and being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, to whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Now, this seems to, uh, like, it's almost like we've just been parachuted into this because it almost seems not to connect, but it's it's in the same 
arena of what we're talking about. Paul is writing at the beginning of his letter, and he's saying that he wants there. First of all, he's saying, I wish, this is King James way and Paul saying, I wish I could see you face to face. I wish we could meet. There's a lot of new believers. I wish I knew them, but I don't. And he said, but I want their hearts to be encouraged. And I, I want you to be knit together in love. Knit together in love. What does this have to do with the will of God? It has a lot to do with the will of God. Amen. How many, how many knits? How many does knitting around here? Raise your hand. Now, don't be ashamed of it. All right. We got two people, three people that do knitting. That's awesome. Uh, knitting, I've seen people do knitting on airplanes, um, especially nervous people, and they can knit. And they get, have you ever watched somebody knit before? It's, it's an amazing thing. And what, what I, what I understand, I've never knitted before, Brother Chase. I spit and shoot. I've never knitted. And not because it's not a manly thing. It's because I don't got the patience for putting that little. And what are you going to get at it's all over with? A funny looking scarf you could have got at Ross for five bucks. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I said, but all my hard work I put into it. You know what I could have done with them seven hours it took to make 14 inches of scarf? Could have made enough money to buy 20 of them, right? But you watch them, and, and, and from what I observe, and I've never been to a knitting class. I've, I've never had anybody to explain. This is totally observational, and, and for all the knitologists in here, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that one of the most important things is is to keep the loops at the same size of the whole row that you're making. Is that, is that pretty correct? Okay. So I'm, I'm right so far. And then what do you take th that long needle thing? What's that called? The long needle thing. I know my grandma jabbed me with it a couple times. That wasn't fun. Behave. It didn't puncture, it just, but you felt it. What's that thing called? A knitting needle. Man, y'all knitters are powerful. Now, I'd have come up with a different name. I'd have, I'd have called it the Ithacus or something like that. The Shemihethana. The Dumaflagi. So you take the knitting needle, and you very carefully run it through the loops, right? And, and you've got to be, from my observation... You've got to be careful to not do it too quickly, lest you snag the knitting needle in the loop and then stretch out a loop. Because if you stretch out a loop, this is my understanding, from solely from my observation. Again, I didn't go to. I know it's going to shock you. I didn't go to school for this. If you get one of those loops out of place to correct it means you're going to have to undo a lot of what you've already done. And if you don't correct it, by the time you get finished, you're going to have a gaping hole in there where it's all loose in that section. You may try to make up ground later, but you're, you're never going to. It's going to be, in other words, it's going to be noticeable. And it's going to lose its integrity. Am I right so far? You're welcome. That's my observation. So when, when Paul says that you're knit together in love, what he's saying is you, you, you've got to, it's got to take intent and effort. And for all, all, all the uh, knitologists around here, I'm sure you've done it perfect every time, right? You have never snagged a loop. Am I saying the truth? You ever snagged a loop? It, and, and you're like done with the day. You're like, I can't believe I did it, right? For real? I would be. I'd be like, forget this. I found kindling for the fireplace. You got you to kind of walk away for it for, from a second and take a deep breath. You could be three quarters of the way through a four-foot scarf, and all of a sudden, and, and, and then you got to go, okay, now... Now I've got to go back, 
And I've got to start unlooping, and I've got to start stretching, and I've got to start tightening, and I've got to start doing Because if I just wing it here, if I just, just try to bull rush it through right here, then all of the intent I've put into this, doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. Paul says that he wants us, that, that we would be knit together in love, meaning there's got to be intent for the needle to go through the loops. That we, t listen, it takes intention to serve God. Number one, if I'm going to go to heaven all by myself and there's nobody else on this planet, it's going to take a lot of effort. Say, no, if I was the only one here, it'd be a whole lot easier to serve God. Hey, there was only two in the garden and they wrecked it for us all. They didn't have to wear jobs. They didn't, they didn't have to have jobs. They didn't have to wear clothes. They didn't have to do anything. But just not eat the one tree. And they messed it all up. You're giving yourself way too much credit to think you'd serve God better if you was the only one on the planet. No, you'd, you'd find a way to mess it all up. So serving, to, to, to determine to be saved, number one, takes intent. Okay, I'm going to, Nobody's going to get to heaven and the pearly gates click behind them and go, can't believe I made it. <laughs> Not one person is going to lean over on Peter and go, whoo, whoo, <laughs> am I in? Everybody that makes it is going to know they made it and they made it on purpose because it takes intent to be saved. And if it takes that much intent to singularly be saved, how much more intent does it take to be saved with other people? Amen. Amen. To be knitted together in, in love. That word is agape. That's God's love. I need to be knitted together with you in his, his love. Amen. That's a design for us to be knitted together in love. You know, the Bible speaks of the time that Israel went to war um, against another nation. And the Bible said when the, that, that arm, the armies of that nation observed them, speaking of Israel, it said that when they observed them, Sister Cynthia, they were knitted together as one man. There were thousands of Israeli soldiers who were standing with their arms linked together and their feet touching side by side in their hips. And they were locked together so tight that when the opposing armies saw the armies of Israel, they could not distinguish but one man. Let me ask you something. If they could be so knitted together without the Holy Ghost and for a cause of violence, how much more should we be able to unite and knit together in the love of God? Amen. I know, I know that's not our running stuff, but it's, it's get, your, get your soul to heaven stuff. We've got to be Paul said, I want you to be knitted together in, in love. Then he says, and unto all riches. Everybody say all riches. All Amen. That, that, that literally means to, to attain. I want you to attain uh, uh, all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. Understanding. You got to get understanding. Amen. There, there's things I do that I don't understand. Right? I don't understand electricity. But I don't avoid it because I don't understand it. Matter of fact, the less I know about it sometimes, the better I feel. I think about a spark. Every time Brother Chase is great with electricity, every time you flip that switch, a spark happens, right? Somewhere in there. That's why if you leave the gas stove on and the house fills up with, with gas and you flip the switch, I, this happened to... Uh, a girl we went to school with, her, somebody left the stove and, and blew the whole house up when she flipped on the light when she walked in the door. 
There's a little spark in there. Electricity is a scary thing. I don't quite understand how it can travel up one wire and one wire says hold it here and then you, you got your ground and you're positive and, you, and, and you're neutral and Brother Strickland's looking at me like, are you that dumb? You don't know what electricity does. <laughs> He's an engineer. He gets it. I don't. And all this stuff and how it flows and the current winds around and it does this. And if you touch this to this, here's what I know that I don't care what happens. If I touch it, I'm getting shocked. That's all I know. So I don't mess with it. I don't mess with it. Um, I had convinced my wife for the first 12 years of our marriage, I didn't know nothing about electricity until we bought this building and she caught me in my office putting in a, a, a deal. And she walked in, she looked at me like, what are you doing? You know what you're doing? I couldn't lie, I was in church. I'm like, I'm just holding this for Brother Chase. Isn't he at work? Yep, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> you better believe when I got home, that wall plug needs to be changed, that light fixture needs to be changed. It was a good run while it lasted, Amen. <laughs> little marriage advice. Don't go showing off all the stuff you know if you don't want to do it the rest of your life. <laughs> I don't understand it, but, but I, I use it. I use it. Um, there's fear to it, but I use it. There's great, there's great risk. It's a calculated risk, but I use it. Electrical fires are the most common household fires. Please don't go home and Say I'm too scared to turn my lights on. I can't go to bed tonight. But it, it happens. Bad wiring. When it shorts out, uh, the wiring, you know, over time, homes shift. And this, you know what? Every local electrician ought to thank me after this. That's why it's good to have your connections checked every once in a while because the shifting of the house can pull the wire apart, spark up and all that, have smoke alarms and, and, and Jesus, and you're fine, okay? And so I don't understand it, but I'm going to use it, right? I, I don't have... A full understanding of God. Would you be willing to admit there are a few things about God I don't get? Well, you're you're on the right path if you if you can admit that. He said, but 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 you can get the riches or the understand of the full assurance of understanding. Of understanding, I may not understand everything, but there there is an understanding that comes through knowing the will of God. Right? Through knowing his voice, him knowing me, me following him, me being knitted together with the rest of the flock in love. Then there comes understanding. Everybody say understanding. To the acknowledgement. To the, the word acknowledgement means their uh, uh, knowledge. To the knowledge of the mystery of God. So Paul is saying that you can have knowledge to the mystery of God. You know, one Paul, one point Paul said... Uh, uh, though I know all things, though I know all things. And then he talked, then he went to talking about, I know a man, whether he was in the body or out of the body. And then later on, it seems to indicate that he was that man. And I, I, I think that it's safe to say that if anybody had a vast understanding of God, it would have been the Apostle Paul because he wrote over three quarters of the Bible and the New Testament Bible. He had tremendous understanding. And what he is saying is, I am not going to hide behind the curtain like the Wizard of Oz, pulling levers and only you, and you just bring me gifts and I will tell you what I want you to know. Paul is doing uh, uh, what God's will is for us as believers that no other religion in the history of man is doing and that is take the power of the understanding of God and place it within every believer so that you don't have to go talk to a man hiding in a booth about your sin. God wants a relationship with you. He don't want a relationship with you through philosophy or through, dare I say, religion. He wants a relationship with you for himself. I think Bishop Emery preached on this a little bit Saturday night. Amen. So he's talking about uh, 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 the mystery of God. And, and then he says in verse 3, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom. And knowledge, who are hid, or in whom are hid uh, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this is going to be a good plain, a good 
part to start finding the runway here because I want a good jumping off point that we can pick back up on because I'm going to totally turn us into the other dimension of the will of God, which is not just purpose of God, but knowing the inheritance of God. So we're going to totally shift gears. Not tonight, though. We don't got enough time for that. Verse 3, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 3, in whom. Now, who is the whom that Paul's talking about? Jesus. That was, for those that were just venturing a guess, great guess. But for those that knew, great job. The, the whom is Jesus. So he says, in Jesus are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, I'm going to get back to that. But before I get back to verse 3, let me go ahead and grab verse 4 and bring it right back up so that verse 3 will make a little more sense. Verse 4, and this I say, lest any man should beguile you. That means deceive you. Lest any man should beguile you. Look at somebody and say, don't let anybody beguile you. That's a cool word, isn't it? We need to use, let's bring that word back. Like this, uh, water's beguiled me. Whew. It's, uh, no, no, I did it to myself. Everybody's looking at it like Brother Jose. And I saw belts, clearing belt loops. <clears throat> I've had this thing with, with kind of phlegm and, and for sore throat. And so my old childhood pastor would put a couple of tablespoons of apple cider vinegar in his water. Now, if you want to be slain in the spirit, come <laughs> If you want to be slain in the spirit, come up here, I'll breathe on you. It works. <clears throat> it does work. They'll take the varnish off wood, too. My goodness. Are you sure that's apple cider vinegar in there? Or did you slip some moonshine or something in there? Have mercy. He tried it. He's still alive. Hallelujah. Don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let anybody beguile you with entire and, and, and the understanding there, um, of course, it's in the, the, the writing of the Greek and Greek and, and Hebrew, very word picture oriented languages, is don't let anybody see you, uh, deceive you, or beguile you by enticing words. Enticing words. Amen. Enticing words. It, that almost sounds like, like 95% of preaching that's coming across Facebook and TV and YouTube. The word picture there is the is the Roman senators standing up and giving proclamation of politics to deceive even even the emperor himself with these enticing words, these beguiling words. So how do I not get deceived with enticing or political persuasive language? It's in verse three. I got to know Jesus because in Jesus are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Because wisdom and knowledge is a treasure. So who are they hid in? Jesus. Jesus. And and this is where we're going to bring the plane down on the runway. It's hid in Jesus. And the only way to get to the treasure, that is, it is not, let let, let me say this. It is not hid from the believer. It is hid from the unbeliever. Is that okay? I think I have plenty of scriptural precedent that I could use to prove the fact that God will hide things from an unbeliever. Amen. Uh, He's not going to, He's not going to hide salvation because he wants everybody to be saved. But to get the treasure of wisdom and knowledge, it's a treasure, which means 
you're going to have to go seeking it. Right? Seek and ye shall find. Now, we're talking about spiritual things. Seek and ye shall find. Don't be using that about, you know, 20-pound gold bars. If I just seek it, I'll find it. Bitcoin, if I just seek it, I'll, seek it, I'll find it. If I do, you know, what? It, we're, we're talking about spiritual things. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Right? So Jesus is in the business of hiding those things that are reserved for the ones that pursue him. Amen. So if you're pursuing Christ, things that are hidden, brother, brother Michael, from everyone else are not hidden from you because you're behind the curtain as if it were. All right. And, and, you, and before you were saved, you were looking at the curtain. And you didn't, and please pardon me for using such, again, a carnal illustration. Amen. And then, and then salvation comes and you're like, Toto, you grab the, the curtain and you just rip it back. and like, Whoa. You get on the other side of the curtain. Amen. To the world, it's a mystery. That's why, that's why Brother Michael, uh, you will do things with confidence that unbelievers in your family and your life will go, why would you do that? You ever done that before? I know you have. I, we, you told me people with family are like, why would you, co-worker, why would you, why would you do that? That's not a great move. But it always works out when you've gotten in Christ. And you found a treasure that they haven't gotten yet. And it's wisdom and knowledge that's been hid in Christ. And that's why it, it doesn't matter what this world thinks um, about, about my career move, right? It doesn't matter. They may think, well, that's a lateral move or that's a regressive move. or that. Or, well, why are you doing that? That's a bad choice. Why, why are you buying that home? Why are you moving to that neighborhood? Why that? Why? And the world don't understand because they're looking at this side where it's hidden. You're on the other side. And because you are in pursuit of Christ, he's going to give you treasures of wisdom and knowledge that nobody else will have. Amen? And I use this illustration a lot that, that, that oftentimes we get overeager um, in our zealousness. And I, I, I do not believe for a moment that some of the things that even I grew up thinking were um, you know, were like mandated scriptures sometimes weren't even there, right? But it was in the zealous wanting to please God, wanting to serve God, right? And, and that it comes to pass. And so we, we come up with things. Uh, sometimes we're eager to come up with things that, that, that try to describe maybe how we're feeling in our life that oftentimes are like the worst advice you could give people, right? Like the one I go back to the most is the whole, telling somebody follow well, just follow your heart please don't please whatever you do don't do that don't please don't follow your heart your heart will lead you into broken marriages your heart will lead you into dead-end career choices your heart will lead you into toxic relationships but if you follow the word that's something altogether different but see we want to believe our heart always has our best interest in mind but it doesn't the Bible says it is this, above anything. It is deceitfully wicked. I mean, your, your heart will have you, your heart will have you believe in anything. Your heart is, is like a third base coach. It will wave everybody home. It doesn't make, just go, 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 go. Second baseman can have, the catcher can have the ball. And third, third, your heart's going, no, 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 go, 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 go. Don't even slide. Just go, 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 go. Your heart your heart is a wishful thinker. And it will wishfully think things that are impossible for you to do. And it will leave you holding the bag every time. Well, I thought it was a good idea. I just followed my heart. It wasn't. You got to follow the word. You got to remember when I, you know, when I was younger, I, you know, I, I thought I could fly, you know. Or, I didn't think I could fly. My brother convinced me. You remember when you were younger? I, I maybe really, for anybody over at least 35. You remember when you used to tuck the towel in your collar to be Superman? So your towel was the cape? 
and you take off running through the house. And sometimes my mom's towels were so heavy, I don't know what planet they got them off of because <laughs> gravity forces would just, it would stick to you. So we'd go find an extra long pillowcase and we'd tuck that thing in around our neck and we'd take off running through the house and we'd be looking behind us, see if that thing was flapping. <laughs> and I was Superman. My heart believed I, I just run through the house. I wanted to be Clark Kent so bad, but I had two strikes against me. Well, three, really. I had blonde hair, blue eyes, and I had a flat top. (laughs) Because in our house, if dad was paying for the haircut, it was always going to be a flat top. (laughs) And I, I remember taking my hair and wetting it, trying to curl it. What's the guy's name that played Superman in the 80s? Somebody said it last night. Christopher Reeves. He would, had, he had, remember he had that curl and, y'all remember that Superman? He had that one curl. It was amazing. He could, he was faster than a locomotive or a speeding bullet, more powerful. Than, and that curl never messed up, did it? I wet down my hair. One time, one time I even got into, my brother and I were talking about this a few years ago. One time I even got my dad's boot shoe polish, trying to make it black. Just the front of it. I didn't need all of it. Just the, just the front so I could see it. I wish my rear end would have been made of steel when my dad saw me getting his shoe polish. Not to mention, that stuff burns when it gets in your eyes too because you're going to run and sweat, but we didn't think that far in advance. But my heart said, you could be Superman. <laughs> and thank God nobody else went along with that delusion. Thank God my parents didn't say, climb to the top of the tree and jump. Let's see how this works. <laughs> but my brother did and got me on top of the house. And he was Batman, even though Superman's better than Batman. But to him, Batman was, we don't, hey, Take this one outside. I don't, I don't. (laughs) Batman can't fly. He needs a Batmobile, okay? Superman can just, if I remember right, he goes, which it doesn't even really matter because if you think Batman or Superman is cool, wait till I get my glorified body. I'm going to go walking through walls. I'm going to live. I'll never get sick. I'll never die. It's going to be pretty cool. We don't call it Superman. It's going to be Supernatural Man. <laughs> and so we get, you heard me tell the story, we're going to top the roof, and, 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 and we're like looking out over Gotham woods, <laughs> pretending trees or skyscrapers, and we're just looking for Penguin and the Joker. And we're, you know, man, we had a great childhood. We didn't have those things we did this all day long. Man, we were outside in the woods playing. Man, we were having a great time, getting hurt, which was healthy for us, believe it or not. I believe you can survive a big brother. You can survive anything. And, and we get up on the roof, and we're looking around, and we're doing our, you know, we get toilet paper rolls, and look, man, we thought we were, we were scoping it out. I remember walking around. We, that, you know, I don't know if my parents really liked us much. They let us play on the roof of the house. I figured they thought, you know, process of elimination. <laughs> and my dad looked at me like I was the backup. Hey, you know. <laughs> we get up and look around. I'm running across the, you know, I'm supposed to run across the, now we did get in trouble for running on the roof because that would weaken it. But we'd get up on the ridge pole and we'd, you know, we'd move pretty fast. And then when I was looking over the edge and my brother said, yeah, you can, you can fly. It's a true story. Said you can fly, and if you know my brother, then this is even more believable. I mean, I'm glad my parents didn't buy into that, you know, because I'd have went around. I believe I can fly. Believe I can touch the sky. We did that choir song. We did as a choir song when I was in the youth group. And when Bishop Hurst found out it came from Space Jam, he fired the choir director. That's a true story. That's a true story. 
We even had motions to it. If you lived in the 90s in a choir, you had motions to everything. You had motions to everything. And we were doing, I believe I could soar. Running through that open door. I believe I could. He said, look over here. And I'm looking, and he's like, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I said, okay. And I run and get to the hedge. Come on, you can do it. I, I'm convinced my brother didn't even like me until we were adults. And finally, I leaned over the edge, and he went, boom, and he pushed me, kicked me right off the top. But we had a leak near the uh, well house, made the ground soft. And so when I hit the ground, I went in about like three inches. It still hurt. But it was softened by a little bit of mud, and I hit the ground. I never forget. To this day, I can see my elbows about that deep where I went into that mud. And I can remember, clink, 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 clink. My brother's going down the ladder. Of course, he's not going to jump. <laughs> Didn't break anything. And you think he'd run over there? Are you okay? Is your arm? He just said, he just said if you tell mom, I'm going to beat the fire out of you. <laughs> and that's why I hate Batman. That's why you can't, you can't follow your heart. Your heart will have you believing that relationship will work out when your head knows it won't. Your heart will have you believing you can take that job. Miss church, means being around the family of God, and it's not going to affect you. And your head and your spirit saying, no, 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 no. Don't do it. And your heart says, but you can do it. You love God. You're a good person. That's another one we tell ourselves. They're such a good person. Jesus said there's none good but God. And I believe they're good. You understand what I'm saying. No one is good beyond. They're going to be good enough to be saved on their own. Now, now, now you, this is why we've got to get in Christ. And I, I told all of that. Uh, I don't know what you would call on my mind's. Lincoln, I think we would call it a colloquialism that we come up with to try to make. But the Word of God is absolute. It's absolute. You know, don't, we got to stop telling our, our young people, just chase your dreams. No, 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 listen. Follow the will of God. How about that one? How about that one? Well, I want to be a doctor. Great. We're going to support you a thousand percent. But, but don't miss the will of God if God wants you to to be a if you want to be a doctor but the will of God amen wants you uh, to be an HVAC technician the will of God's the best thing or if you want to be an HVAC technician the will of God wants you, you you get what I'm saying how do I know though the only way I know is when I get in Christ and I find those hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge that only come through being in Christ. And the misunderstanding would be, well, I have the Holy Ghost, so I'm in Christ. And that's not true. That's not true. You've heard me say this. If the Lord gives me another 25, 30 years to pastor, I'm going to keep saying it until everybody gets it. The Holy Ghost don't change you. It don't change you. It gives you the power to change. Now, I've seen the Holy Ghost deliver people from drugs and alcohol, one of them. I've seen the Holy Ghost uh, 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 do miraculous things in people's life. But what the Holy Ghost will not do is change something in you. You are not willing to change yourself. Now, I think that makes a whole lot more sense because I've, I've, I've been in, a, in an altar with a lot of frustrated people praying, saying that I, I've been believing the Holy Ghost would do this for me. Well, until you take the first step, the Holy Ghost is standing in neutral. Amen. And we talked about the car last week. Got to put the key in. Now, the Holy Ghost is Christ in me, which is vastly different than me and Christ. So is wisdom and knowledge when, do I receive the treasure of wisdom and knowledge when I receive the Holy Ghost? No. You receive the empowerment to seek it that which is hidden in him.
That is wisdom and knowledge, that treasure of wisdom and knowledge that is hidden in him. I, I can't see it until I pursue him. Remember, seek and you shall find. You don't find without seeking. Just like you didn't stumble across Jesus. You were seeking him. And he was seeking you. And I'm, I'm bringing you to this point tonight. Where you know, you know God's voice. He knows you. You follow him. You fo follow him. And now you're in a pursuit of his knowledge and of his wisdom. And the only way to get it is to be further removed from the wisdom and knowledge of this world. Because the world's knowledge and wisdom will always leave you more confused than when you start. This is why the Bible says he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Amen. This makes sense tonight. I know it started out all over the place, but we're, we're pulling this together to understand I've got to get in Christ if I'm ever going to know all the treasures of wisdom. And it's a treasure. You don't drive down the street and find a treasure on the corner of 5th and Main. You've got to go looking for it. You've got to seek it. Here's the good thing. When you have found Christ, the Bible said, the Bible said that it is the kingdom of God is likened unto a treasure buried in a field. And when you find it, you sell everything. You don't purchase the treasure. You purchase the field. Because within the field is the treasure. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You cannot purchase wisdom and knowledge without purchasing a relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot say, I'll take wisdom, no holiness. I'll take understanding, no prayer. I'll take blessing, no commitment, no devote. It doesn't work like you buy the whole field. Brambles, briars, rabbits, squirrels, rats. You buy the whole thing because the treasure was what you were seeking. It wasn't all that other stuff. But it comes with the territory. And I find it by getting in him. Would you stand with me tonight? Amen. I find it by, by getting in Christ it's the only way that I know that I can find the treasure of wisdom at, so see, see how this goes beyond the basic will of God do I go left or right to, to understanding of why I go left or right it just keeps going deeper you've got to pursue him now we talked about <clears throat> That we are his sheep, that we know his voice, he knows us, we follow him. We talked about spiritual fulfillment, we talked about trying the spirit, we talked about the will of God, we talked about finding uh, knowledge and wisdom or understanding and wisdom and these things are through pursuing Christ and where I want to pick up next week or uh by the, by the grace, I don't think next, next week is 242. be the week after. Um, now listen, I know you got a lot of things to do, but if you get a chance to just skim through some of these on the podcast, to jog your memory, just, you know, I'm not telling you, you know, lay in front of an altar and listen to it. Just skim through it. Just keep it fresh in your mind. Because when we pick up on this, I want to dive deeper into the will. Because the will could mean purpose, which we talked about, but that will also means inheritance. And you can't know the inheritance of God in your life until you know the purpose of God in your life. And so we're going to open up the scripture in Ephesians and Colossians, and we're going to go back and we're going to talk about the divine inheritance that has been given to us as the heirs of salvation. Amen. That what that comes with. Now, if you'll seek it, if you'll pursue it, while everybody else is hung up over the blood and the gore and, and the sacrifice part, you know, that, that of Calvary that's just the death, we're going to be over here shouting around an empty tomb. 
And, and for 98% of Christians that all they can see about living for God is all the stuff they give up, we're going to step over here into the lawyer's office. And we're going to say, as a living heir, please read to me that which has been given to me as a child of God. And that makes me excited. Man, when a rich person dies in your family, you show up to that funeral. <laughs> you don't care if Uncle Claude didn't talk to you in 30 years. You're going to show up to that funeral. You'll be over there crying, Uncle Claude was such a good man. Before he got sick, you were going, man, he's a jerk. That dude wouldn't say hi to me, you know. Then if you find out you're in the wheel, you'll cry. You'll try to climb in the casket with him. Oh, Uncle Claude. Amen. But you don't know where you are in the position of things until the document, that legal document, the final will and testament has been. Why do you think this is called the New Testament? Because it's a legally binding contract to the heirs of salvation. And by the grace of God, we're going to open the door and we're going to step into the attorney's office and we're going to see what has God laid up in store for his children. Because I want to walk in the will and the knowledge and the wisdom of Almighty God. Would you lift your hands where you are right now? Oh, hallelujah. Would you thank him for so great a salvation? Would you thank him for his presence? Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for divine direction and instruction. I thank you, Lord. That... Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.